This is exactly right. Forgive me for interrupting. I'm Bridger Weiniger, host of I Said No Gifts on Exactly Right. Each week, I invite my favorite people in comedy over to chat, and they always bring a gift. We're coming up on our 200th episode, and every episode is a gem. I have welcomed all kinds of great guests, including Cola Scola, Bowen Yang, Robbie Hoffman. It goes on and on and on. And you don't want to miss the 200th episode with the great Maria Bamford. What does she bring me? Find out April 25th. New episodes every Thursday. Follow I Said No Gifts wherever you get your podcasts. It's so important that we try really, really hard to suspend judgment because judgment are the blinders that get in the way of everything. And when we can kind of just step back and say, all right, what has happened? You know, what's going on with me or my child? And I I get out of the judgment zone. It can lead me towards my solutions. I I think judgment is one of the biggest blocks to any kind of healing. Welcome to Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan. I'm Dr. Dan. This show is about making the world a more loving, accepting, and compassionate place, one parent, one person, and one child at a time. The key to raising healthy and engaged kids is for parents to seek the same in their own lives while striving to be the best versions of themselves each day. No matter who you are or where you came from, with increased awareness, you can be purposeful about leaving a healthy footprint for your children, your family, and all those you care about while living your life to the fullest. Today's show is the Crazy Girl and Guy Parent Survival Guide with our guests and mother-daughter team, Marcy Ober and Courtney Ober. Marcy is a licensed marriage and family therapist, mental health educator, and advocate. She's worked with a wide variety of clients in roles ranging from family therapist to clinical director of major psychiatric hospital and is also a certified yoga teacher. For the past 20 years, she has concentrated her efforts on her private practice while raising her family in northern New Jersey. Courtney is a college senior working toward her PhD in clinical psychology. Having experienced the pain and confusion of her own mental health challenges at a young age, Courtney shares her poignant story, which you are going to hear about, and unique perspective about what it takes to be healthy and well as a young person in the age of artificial insta-perfection. I love that term. Marcy and Courtney founded the Crazy Girl Project in 2020, which is a 501c3 charity whose mission is to bust mental health stigma and provide effective mental wellness strategies free of charge worldwide. All proceeds from their book and advocacy efforts support their foundation's mission. And their new book, the awesome new book, The Crazy Girl and Guy Parent Survival Guide, Helping Your Child of Any Age Thrive with Mental Health Challenges, is an Amazon bestseller. And they also are fellow podcasters on their podcast, Crazy Girls Unite. Ladies, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Dan. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for having us. So great that you are both here. Both of your voices are in your book. And I have to say, um, I'm holding it right here. They can see it. This beautiful book. I. Um, it takes a ton of courage to put yourself in a book the way you have. And I think both um, Marcy as a fellow mental health professional and Courtney as a um, person who's just, I want to say exposing yourself for the health of others, 
really was one way that it's like, this is my story and I want other people to benefit. What was it like for you guys to embark on this journey together? So I, I love how you said courage. Um, I think it really takes a lot of courage to push through mental health challenges, to be a parent assisting your child with mental health challenges. And um, it might take a lot of courage to write about our story, but I think um, being able to help other people through our experiences, through you know effective clinical practices, um, and being able to work with my mom, a therapist, has been a really great experience. Um, so courage really goes out to all the people who are reading and perhaps struggling as well. I, I love hearing you share, Courtney. I just uh, I'm in awe of your wisdom for your young age, and um, I feel like. Uh, it didn't necessarily take courage to write this book. I feel like I had no choice. I feel like this book had to be written and um, to not write the book would have been almost like repressing certain things. Like um, we're kind of meant to do this and we're just kind of lining up with how it's supposed to be. That's kind of my take on it. Mm -hmm. Well, when I was thinking just with both of your generations and the difference it is in terms of putting ourselves out there, um, as you talk about, Courtney, the Insta, you know, perfection. So everyone's out there um, in the, in, you know, the younger generations and now in our generations as well, like everyone's out there. And then it's like, what do you see? Is this real? Is this not real? But there is a push for here, show your life or show the version of your life that you want everyone to, uh, think you are living, um, or maybe you think yourself you're living. And then for us as mental health professionals, the whole idea of ever saying anything about yourself, putting out anything personal about yourself in the traditional training was such a no-no. And it's really evolved in, in positive ways, I think, for therapists to be able to be human when working with their human clients. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to speak to that actually, because, um, while writing the book felt like something I had to do, um, releasing the book, you know, I really kind of had to bump up against my own self stigma and, and internalized shame. Like, okay, I'm stepping into, you know, kind of bearing what it was like for me. And even more so as a productive mom, you know, Courtney, mm -hmm. you really want to share this stuff. You really want people to know what it was like as you struggled. And I remember specifically, there was a part in the book, Courtney, I don't know if you remember when, you know, you wanted to include, you know, the fact that in the depths of your um, illness that you had had hallucinations. And I'm like, are you sure you want to say that? And you're like, mom, are we doing this or are mm -hmm. we not doing this? Like yeah. people go through these things. Like I'm not ashamed. That does not define me. And I was so proud of you in that moment, but it still sort of catches in my throat just a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. putting it mm -hmm. all out there. I don't know. What, what, what do you think, Court? I agree. I think, um, I definitely think there might be sort of like the newer generation might be more open to sharing their stories. But, um, I personally, like I am that way. Um, I feel that, um, you know, it, it's, it's more helpful to other people to be able to listen to someone who has gone through it. Um, there's so many challenges that people with mental illness, especially young people are facing. Um, and they oftentimes feel alone. Like 
am, am I alone in this? Um, am I the only one who's experiencing it? And it can be really challenging for them to open up in school um, and in other settings. And so being able to share what I've been through and sort of, you know, any tips, tricks, hope, wisdom, anything I can provide, it, it's really it's really humbling to me to be able to help other people through sharing my story. Um, and yeah, absolutely. And it's powerful because it does destigmatize, you know, the the whole uh, mission of your nonprofit and your guys' work. I mean, to 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 really destigmatize what it is like and how well, first of all, how scary it is to go through a mental health crisis. None of us, you know, have ever done it before until we're in one, and then what to do about it. Which we'll talk about how your book is set up as really a guide for parents who are in. Uh, a crazy land, as you call it. And I want to lead into um, the whole term of, you know, crazy land and crazy girls and crazy guys, what that means to you guys, because I feel like you've given a a voice or an, uh, a symbol of what it's like when one enters this place, right? It's not like we're always living this place, but it's you enter this place and it's it's scary and it's confusing. Yeah. Well, can I can I speak for a moment to, um, to the word crazy? Because to be honest, I didn't think too much about it. And um, I didn't think it was going to be crazy with a, a K, people. Yeah. Crazy with a K. Right. Because I wanted to make it a little cute. And I, 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 I really want to bust stigma that goes with this. Ooh. But I've gotten a lot of like pushback and flack. Like, how dare you call me crazy? And like, how do you say you're busting stigma when you're using these terms? And I was not sort of prepared for that, but what I learned to do was sort of welcome it because I think it allows the conversations to unfold. And so I, my vision of it is, is kind of like the LGBTQ community took the word queer and they embraced it and they owned it and they put pride behind it and they changed the connotation of the word. And I think that's what we have to do. I think, you know, our tagline is we're all a little crazy. It's what we do with our crazy that counts. So we just kind of have to get over that stigma. Like we all go through it and, um, why does this word have to be such a flashpoint? But um, boy, it, it, it certainly has sparked a lot of, um, in my generation, a, a lot of uh, feelings in people. Courtney, do you find that? Like, are you hearing? I, I don't even think I've asked you this. Like, are you hearing that in your generation? What do you What do you think? I don't mean to take over your <laughs> your podcast here. Sorry, <laughs> you're a natural. Yes. <laughs> It's funny you say that because I, um, as much as I've heard that you've, you know, heard some pushback, I have not heard any pushback from people who are, you know, my friends or, um, you know, probably sort of in the same age range as me. Um, I, I'm not really quite sure what to attribute that to, but I think um, maybe it's just sort of... Um, not making light out of mental health because you would never want to do that, but sort of bringing some kind of comfort and... Um, some kind of like warmth and roundedness to um, to the mental health issues that are experienced. And I think that the crazy with a K, it's, you know, if you say crazy with a C, you know, that's, it's all downhill yeah. from there. But I think right. that that's, it, it's kind of, it builds community. It's the crazy girl community and guy community. Um, and I think that, you know, when you're struggling with mental health challenges or being a parent, watching your kids struggle, all you want is community and a sense of warmth and comfort. And I really think that the crazy girl mission does just that. I agree. And I, um, yeah, I totally agree. I want to honor the, you know, both actually perspectives because we all are aligned with 
um, destigmatizing mental health and not having people feel less than when they um, have a mental health issue, a mental health disability, because as we'll talk about, there's lots of reasons that that occurs. And also many of those reasons can, are outside of people's control that these things happen. So this is a thing. And crazy with the K is a way, as I read it in your book, as a way of, come on, people, let's unite. You're part of, we're all part of this together. And let's, let's acknowledge that when we fall into a significant mental health issue, it feels scary. You do feel crazy at times, right? Like you just feel like, what is happening to me? What? Oh, I can't think clearly. I, I'm like, I'm literally hearing things and seeing things and I don't even see the world the same way. It does feel crazy. So Courtney, I'm wondering what, because I know your story since I read the book. Tell everyone, if you could, just a little bit about, um, I know it's a long story. So it's like the highlights of your, your road. Um, I want to say your road to health and recovery, which is awesome. I love that. I love that way of looking at it. And yes, it has not been an easy road um, by any means, as it never is and never will be. But um, yeah, my mental health journey really started, honestly, in elementary school. I always thought so lowly of myself, kind of got bullied by my peers. It never really got better. I was always kind of happy, bubbly. It was all very much under the surface. High school came and it hit the fan. Um, my mental health challenges just sort of became very pronounced and in and out of mental hospitals four times, um, facing hallucinations, um, you know, having a suicide attempt, self-harming as a routine part of my life, um, also experiencing eating disorder problems, um, and lots and lots and lots of therapy and different styles. And finally, we are where we, we're, we're here now. And it's not um, smooth sailing. It's It can be for months, you know, but um, typically when you face mental health challenges, it, um, it, it can pop up again. And so even a few weeks ago, I was experiencing mental mental health challenges. And it's just getting yourself back in, in your footing and using all your skills, using the therapy. Um, but it's not been an easy road, but it's definitely um, helped me to feel strong, empowered. Um, it, it helps me to realize how far I've come. And yeah, I wouldn't change any of my experiences for the world. Um, but I do the mission, my mission through this book is to help young people feel mm -hmm. that they're not alone, that they're not crazy with a C, um, and that there is hope for them. And I, I really try to promote that through my, my message. And it's, it's clear you're, you're clear in that promotion. You both actually said, um, through each of your tough times, cause Marcy, you talk a little bit about your younger years as well. In hindsight, looking back, um, in your own uh, travels through crazy land. And you both say you would not change any of those difficult circumstances and everything you went through as hard as they were because they are the building blocks of who you are as individuals. Um, and I think that's really yeah. an important message of resilience for people to hear. Um, and so Marcy, say a little about that from your own experience, but also I know with your wealth of mental health experience as well. Well, yeah, I, I wouldn't change my own personal journey. I, I, I wouldn't. Um, but honestly, I have to say as a parent, I would probably have done anything I possibly could and, and probably still would go back in time to change Courtney's journey. 
And mm-hmm. I don't want to get emotional about that. But when you're a parent and your kid is really going through hard, hard times, excuse me, you'll do anything to change that. So I, I yeah. would change that. But um, I think as far as my own path, um, I wouldn't I wouldn't have the depth of knowledge and understanding of what it's like to live life. And we talk about insta perfection and we all, you know, airbrush out our flaws and we all put up our vacations and we want everybody to see a, a version of ourselves. And I think that when we compare that externalized image with what we really go through, we're always going to feel less than we're always going to feel internal shame. Like I'm not good enough or what's wrong with me. And so that's why I shared my story in the book. And it's interesting because people in my life, in my life, close people in my life, um, I, I think maybe have a problem with that, you know, like, um, Oh, I, why would you tell all of that? Why, why would you let people know that? Um, and I think, I think when we accept our personal journey as just what our lives are made of and we really focus on, so what does that mean now? What am I meant to do? Who am I? It gives so much meaning and context to all of those experiences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, um, I had my uh, crazy land experience in uh, my first major one in, I would say, mid-20s. And I describe it to people and uh, to clients where it's relevant, is that it was the most um, terrible experience that I never want to have again, but I wouldn't trade it for anything in terms of what emerged as a result. Yeah, because I, well, why? I, why right? Because I, 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 I grew in ways that I had to grow through those difficult experiences and having, you know, only those of us who have been to the place where you are digging so deep just to get through the day um, and the moment and um, are so uncertain about yourself and the future and where you belong. It, you know, it's something that you can't describe until until you've experienced it and then through the work through the therapy through the medicine through you know everything that's needed when you emerge there is nothing that can take away that resiliency um that was needed to get through uh and then to be on the other side when you actually feel like yourself again i you know, I'm getting emotional even talking about it. It's like, there's nothing you can't, it's, it's indescribable. And I see both of you, I know, sharing that experience. So, um, so thank you for the question. Um, doctor, I mean, I just went on my own journey there. Um, yeah, but I think that's what's, what it's so important for people to understand that through the pain is the opportunity for growth. That's right. That's right. That's why I put in the book that, that, symbol, that Chinese symbol, that crisis and opportunity actually are made Mm -hmm. out of the exact same letters. And I had a couple that I was working with that went through the hardest of times and emerged, you know, really intimate and really connected. And they had that symbol made in gold and they wear it on their neck every day. Mm -hmm. And I was like, where's mine? You know, that, but it's, 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 it's so beautiful to realize that. And what if this is normal? What if we're going to go through our journeys ourselves mm-hmm. or, you know, you talk about the fa- parent footprint. What are we, how are we growing? What are we passing along? You know, um, what is the legacy? What if the pain and the struggle and all of that imperfection is normal? And, um, mm-hmm. and we, 
learn to accept and embrace that, wouldn't that maybe take some of the stigma off just right there? Right, which goes totally counter to Courtney's uh, Insta perfection, right? Like if we have all these images of how you're supposed to look and how you're supposed to be and what your life is supposed to be like, which is the exact opposite of pain, struggle, um, all the uglies, right? All the like the human components. Uh, so it is a it's a complete bind, and I um, that's why these conversations are so critical, Courtney. Looking back, before there was a guide, there wasn't a, there wasn't this parent survival guide that you guys have co-created. What did you? So to the parents out there, like what? What level of understanding did you know in terms of what you were going through versus confusion versus what you thought you needed from the the your parents? You know, what, what's the message for, for parents listening who have kids who are struggling? Absolutely. That's a, that's a great question. Um, because just as, just as much as it's very tough for the person experiencing the mental health challenges to watch your loved one, your baby, your pride and joy to go through struggle, cry, whatever it might be, um, on a very common basis, it's very hard. Um, and so I think, you know, in the beginning it's, it's, compassion and it's empathy and it's being there by their side and it's listening. Um, and I think that those are sort of the core building blocks in my eyes of, you know, what a parent can do to help their kid who's struggling. But, um, if these are, you know, reoccurring issues or it's, you know, a diagnosis that's going to continue through the person's, you know, lifetime, or at least, you know, childhood, adolescenthood, um, I think starting to, you know, be on their side, whether it's, um, you know, my, both of my parents actually, uh, attended DBT dialect behavioral therapy groups with me. And so they were learning the skills right next to me. And so I thought that that was very invaluable. Like nothing can compare to that because, you know, when you're in a crisis and you're freaking out and you're, you know, maybe about to get sent to the hospital, having your mom right there saying, oh, Courtney, go dunk your head in a bucket of ice. That's going to work for you right now. And so, you know, the empathy is always there, the compassion, the holding your hand. But I think then there's a time where the holding hand needs to be, all right, I'm going to let you go run free, you're going to have this freedom. But um, I think being there for them and truly caring about the problems mm -hmm. um, and doing your best to not solve or fix because that's not how it works, but to just um, offer solutions in the moment that can be tangible and helpful. I think that those are the best things that I'm thinking about. Yes. And what would you say to parents in terms of the... Um, you know, the feeling of they need to fix this and they want to take away the pain. Is that even possible? Or is it just the child's journey that they're on? Yeah. And I don't think that, you know, parents can quote unquote fix the problems um, for, you know, a very, a various amount of reasons. But if it's, you know, neurochemical, a parent, you know, trying to be there for their kid and even as supportive as they are, um, they're not going to fix those, you know, neurochemical, uh, you know, imbalances. Likewise, if it's environmental issues that are causing the mental health problems, being there is going to be helpful in a way, but it's not going to stop the bullying at school. It's not going to stop you looking in the mirror and judging yourself. So um, it's mm -hmm. not a solve, you know, being compassionate, even using the skills. It's not to solve your kid um, or to solve their problems. But I 
think it's to be their best for mm. them. And in my eyes, it's really a lot of times is to keep them out of danger from themselves. Um, if if a kid is, uh, if, a, if a child's struggling with, you know, self-injurious behavior or anything like that, having the parent yeah. there to stop that in that moment is crucial, but it's not a solve all, fix all kind of thing. Yeah. But can I, can I jump in there real quick? Do you mind? Sure. Because sure. I was like a, a miserable failure, I believe, um, at, at most of this for a long time. I think that I absolutely took, felt like it was my responsibility. I felt like I had to fix it. I, it would trigger my anxiety and I would yell and I'd be, I, 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 I did all the wrong things, even though I was a therapist, like I really did all the wrong things. And I, and I think that in some ways, Courtney, like I enabled you because, you know, I, I kept you in, in my bed to keep you safe. And then you didn't want to leave my bed. And I had to learn DBT, you know, skills to deal with my own anxiety. So you could go back in your bed because I was clipping your wings, trying to keep you safe. And I was indulging my own anxiety, um, trying to, you know, fix this or, or, you know, like I had a whole lot of personal work that I have had to do so that I, I could be present and compassionate without being enabling. And that's a mm -hmm. really difficult thing as a parent, really hard to do. Really hard to do. And this is where we talk about awareness so much on the, on the show is, you know, one of the best things that we can do for the health of our kids is to be aware of um, our own feelings, our own energy that we're bringing in, our own behavior. And as you point out, Marcy, when, if, when we have children who are struggling, it's going to hit every one of those insecurity, worry, anxiety, fearful buttons. Like whether, I mean, there are parents that actually didn't grow up with any of that stuff that all of a sudden get it. There's other parents that are, um, have it, have a lot of that stuff. And then you add a child who's really struggling. And um, I relate to this as well um, in that role. And it's like how much, how hard it is as an adult to be focusing on oneself for health when their child is really struggling because the pull is just to like swoop in, protect, and really, as you point out, with best intentions, we might not be maximally helping the situation because it's just so murky and painful. Yeah. I think it's a balancing act. Um yeah, so I I think that it, it takes time, but I think it's it's tricky, especially when your your child is struggling with mental health challenges. They might be irritable. It, you know, that's part of being the age anyway, but I think it's balancing how much compassion support should I give versus, you know, a little bit of challenge and maybe um, encouragement to better themselves in some ways. But I think that this is, you know, it's, it, we often call it a mental health journey and not the battle mm -hmm. most times. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, learning through the journey, how to best balance those different factors of how you can help your kid. But I think it takes time. When I was 13, I the situations were handled when I went to my mom for the same issues when I was 13 were handled very differently. And I come to her now and I can see as I've grown, she's grown as a parent and helping me as a parent. And so um, to not give up, to keep the hope and to just keep the hope within your child, but to remain that balancing act as well is important. Well said. And uh, you also highlight the point for everyone, for all of us that, um, you know, we grow up as adults and then we have kids. And then we are so not done growing ourselves. First of all, like we we are we are so we're, we're most people are not even halfway on their human journey, less than halfway, hopefully. By the you know when you have your kids, and then you have no idea how to be a parent on top of still growing as an individual, right? It's like it just 
it's such a dynamic process. And particularly, I will say these days with with all of the media and the internet and all of the global unrest that we experience on a daily basis, like this is not easy. But we have a guide now. We have a guide. So Marcy, what what was that guide? that? What did you need that you didn't have that you have now co-created? Oh my gosh, what a great question. I, I, I remember, you know... <laughs> In, in the toughest, toughest of times, right? I'd be, you know, a therapist in an office doing a session and I'd get a text. Um, I, I, I'm going to kill myself. I, you know, I, I can't stay in school. Like you have to come get me. And here I'd be like, uh, saying to the person I'm working with, I'm, I'm really sorry. I, I have to go now. And I would, um, rush and get her. And then, you know, we'd be in this kind of, you know, what's going to happen and how's it going to go. And then I would go to my favorite sushi bar and I would sit there and I'd have a bite and, and I'd be searching the internet. Okay. What does she need? What do we need to do? Where does she need to go? Um, you know, what, what, what is really her diagnosis? And like, does she need to be in a hospital? Does she need to be in a treatment program? Like, what do we do about school? Like, is this medicine helping? is it hurting? Like I had no idea, even though I was a therapist. And so I hope what this guide will provide is, you know, through my voice as a mom and a therapist, maybe sharing some perspective in each chapter, Courtney being the young person that so bravely shares her journey and what it's like to be actually going through this chapter by chapter, therapy, medication, school, family dynamics, all of these things. And then we interviewed all these different experts, right? Mm -hmm, Because mm -hmm. I don't want to say that our way is the right way. I don't know what's right for any other person, but I, 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 I think this guidebook is a menu and that a parent can open to any section and get advice from a lot of different perspectives. Um, I hear parents saying, I'm so excited to be able to share Courtney's words with my young person, with my kid, they can maybe Mm -hmm. relate to her. And then you know, all the experts that share their perspective, I think that maybe something will resonate and and somebody will be able to have clear guidance of where to embark for their own uh, family's healing. That That's what I would mm-hmm. hope. Yeah. 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 And I, I think that um, when you, you know, first learn that your child is struggling, it can be like, wow, where did, where the heck do I even begin? Because it's like medication, therapy, school, hospital, a million factors. Um, and that can be really daunting and discouraging. And it's like, where do I start? Can I even get help? And so I think having sort of a tangible guide of, okay, well, here's a guide. Here's all the things we kind of have to worry about or figure out in our journey. And here, let's open to a chapter. Let's, you know, go to Marcy's side for some, you know, clinical work, some, some Courtney's side for some hope, and then some professional words for some more information. And so I think, you know, having it all arbitrary and a million things of, of what do we do with, with the mental health challenges, having some kind of tangible guide, I think, um, is probably hopefully very valuable to parents who are feeling daunted and confused. You know, I just want to acknowledge something that you guys, you know, have written about at the beginning of the book is we we are in the we are in the midst of a pandemic. However, we are in the midst of a child and adolescent and adult, but right now we're particularly a child and adolescent mental health epidemic. Right? The rates of 
depression and anxiety, which were already too high before the pandemic, have in many cases doubled, if not more. And I also want to hit the very serious, important issue of um, suicide and suicidal thinking, because you know you brought that into the. You both have brought this in, and it's really important. Is that we have seen such an increase in suicides that it's 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 mind blowing and it's mind shattering and it's family shattering, and it's important that people know, especially when we talk about crazy land and feeling crazy, that having thoughts of suicide and taking one's life is one of the diagnostic criteria and symptoms of depression. So when people have that, it is so scary. And then they think there is something so wrong with them. When in fact, I'm not minimizing what it is, but I want to normalize. It means you're depressed. It doesn't mean that you're cra you know, crazy with a C. It means that you are depressed and you need help. You need help with your neurotransmitters. You need help with your coping tools. You need help with your environment. And that's what your book goes through. It really has uh, talks about the different types of therapies, the different types of programs, the different types of medicines, the different types of professionals, um, programs. And it really is like we got to start with a mental health professional, to, right? Like start talking with someone if you or your child is having these thoughts. Yeah, so suicide thoughts are beyond scary. They are scary and they can make you feel like you're losing your mind, that you're not, you know, you're not yourself anymore. And so I've learned throughout the years through my own journey with, you know, struggling with suicidal thoughts. Um, to this day, they still pop up. It's it's really challenging, but I think it's it's realizing that are these you know, are these thoughts because I, I'm so, so stressed and depressed and I just don't know what to do. So I need to escape from them. And oftentimes I feel that, you know, in, in talking to people that that's often the reason why they think of suicide as an option. Um, and so I think, you know, going to therapy, absolutely, indefinitely, perhaps going on medication, but finding those reasons to live, whether it's the smallest things like seeing puppies or seeing babies smiling, um, or really, uh, a jet like true, um, deeper things. But I think not using that as a way to escape the problems. Um, because the more you feed, I can, I can truly say the more you feed those suicidal thoughts and think, ponder on them. And it's like, Oh, that's a great idea. Or maybe one day, the more they become, you know, sort of ingrained in your pattern. So I think trying to stop yourself in the moment, and that's really, you know, take CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, and a lot of self reflection in yourself. But when the person is ready coming to the conclusion of is this an escape for me? And how can I escape within my own life, maybe it's, you know, go on a little vacation or, you know, take a day off of work or whatever it is, but not using that as a method of, okay, this is what I'll do to escape. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You've come so far, Courtney. Like, I just love hearing you talk and knowing, you know, where you've been and seeing where you are and just, I'm, I'm so proud of you. I'm sorry. I was just going to comment because people can't see you as, as, as Courtney's talking. I just, everyone like such a proud, a proud parent. And I don't even say this in a, you know, hierarchical way. It's just like to see your child talk with such wisdom and grace, right? There's like, there's nothing better than that. You're, you, you've got a purpose on this planet. You're meant to be here and do good things for people. And my favorite chapter in the whole book is messages of hope. And, um, and you really helped me with that chapter because you brought 
positive psychology to me. You, you brought that there's a whole field of social work called the strengths perspective and that, you know, that, that cultivating hope is such a, a profoundly powerful um, tool. I don't think we spend enough time thinking about it. I'm not talking about like trite little positive, you know, toxic positivity. I'm talking about like really cultivating hope deep down inside that there is a reason that we are here and that we have purpose and that there are really good things to come, even if we're struggling in some of our darkest times. Mm-hmm. I, I really love that chapter. I love what you wrote in that chapter too, Courtney. I, I read that sometimes when I'm having a hard time, I read your words in that chapter. Yeah, there. Uh, your and the book ends with so much hope um, from you guys, from other parents. You know, there's so much wisdom um, for people who have been through it, who are going through it, and um, the whole the whole road of whether we call it recovery or we call it becoming or growing. It is so messy. Like we have no idea what is like going on when we're in it, right? It's only when we can look back and see what we have gotten through that we can make more sense of it. So this is a message for anyone who is listening with themselves or their kids who are in the struggle. Like this is the painful part of being human. And, And this is a book of hope because there is so many ways to seek help um, on this journey while acknowledging, I want to hit this for you guys to hit this while acknowledging the difference between nature and nurture. And I really like how you guys took that on and how you looked at yourselves with, all right, what's the nature part of this that I got from my genetics and my family tree? And what might be actually the more nurturing or the parenting or environmental impacts that affected me? Could you guys say a little bit about how you see that in, in the work and the recovery? Wow. <laughs> you really read the book. I'm just really amazed that you really dug into that. I read it. I, yes. I, I thank you for that. Like, mm-hmm. I can't tell you what that means uh, to me, to us. Courtney, you want to, you want to grab this one or? Yeah. As a, as a psych enthusiast <laughs> to say it lightly, yeah. I, I really am passionate about nature and nurture and I really see it in my life, in, in the lives of my clients and, and just people all over the place. Um, you know, part of the mental health struggle can come from genetics. And, um, I'm sure, you know, a big reason why my OCD is so bad is because it's been in the family line for generations. Um, but then there's also the nurture part, whether it's nurturing in your home environment, in your school environment, in the way you kind of just operate your life. And so those things are, have, they mesh together and, and, and they create some kind of outcome, which shows in the person and, And so I have really, you know, after years of taking psych classes and years of reflecting on myself, I've seen the nature nurture in my own life. And I think learning how to work with it and using meds or, or whatever method you may use to help with the, the, the nature part, um, sort of the, everything that's sort of chemically in you. Um, but then also learning how to navigate the nurture part, um, whether it's things in your life, you maybe have to adjust to make yourself less stressed, more comfortable, um, changes you have to make in other areas. I think that it's an indefinite, uh, not a 50-50, I don't know what it would be, but they work together and and they show in the person. And I think understanding that part of it may be due to the environment, but part of it might be what's going on genetically or um, chemically in your brain. Yeah, well said. So, so I think it's so important that we try really, really hard to suspend judgment 
because judgment are the blinders that get in the way of everything. Mm -hmm. And when we can kind of just step back and say, all right, what has happened? You know, what's going on with me or my child? I, I think I use these words that have brought us to a, the tipping point of crazy. And I, I get out of the judgment zone and I kind of really try to take a look. It can lead me towards my solutions. And um, I, th I think judgment is one of the biggest blocks to any kind of healing. Mm -hmm. I, I really do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's so easy for us to pass judgment. Um, on others and on ourselves, really, right? Really, it's a lot of self-critical judgment and then a judgment of others. And mm -hmm. if we really can try to put the judgment aside and just see things for what they are and to try to accept them for what they are and then figure out, okay, what can we do? You know, what, what are our options? What are our choices? And again, the guide is a place to look. Yeah, I think that um, it, it gets just kind of lack of judgment. I think as much as sometimes we don't want to talk with our family, especially adolescents, you know, that can be a tough age. You don't really want to go to your family for things, but these are people who have your nature and oftentimes your nurture as well. So even, um, you know, going to your family and sort of talking about it, hopefully that that would be a judgment-free zone, but that's really a group of people who are relating to you on various levels, um, especially genetically. And so having that judgment-free zone to talk about it with people who can relate to what you're going through um, can often be a very useful tool as much as it's very difficult to sort of swallow your pride or whatever it may be and talk to your family about your issues. That can be a tool and resource unlike anything else. I feel. Yes. Yes. All right, guys, believe it or not, it's time for the parent footprint moment question. We are at that point. So I'm going to give it to you both and we'll see who's going to volunteer to go first. So here we go. Tell us about a time that you became aware of yourself as an individual, as a parent, or an awareness of your parents. And that new awareness had a positive impact on your life and those you love. Through my mental health journey and, you know, going out and in, in and out of mental hospitals, I ended up in Hawaii at a program called Pacific Quest, um, which you can read about in the book in greater depth. But uh, there was a part of this journey after a month and a half of eating the healthiest foods that I didn't like and struggling with my mental health challenges and not having a mirror and not having my phone and all of these things. I ended up in this part where we spent two days completely on our own um, with a bamboo, uh, three bamboo sticks and a tarp and some soup broth as food. Um, and I am am still and very much was petrified of being alone. And so this experience, the first day sitting in, in these, in, in the cornrows with my bamboo sticks, I found myself. This was when I realized, okay, well, things might be really challenging at times, but if I can sit here with three bamboo sticks and a tarp and be fine and look at the clouds and just appreciate what is, then I can honestly get through everything. And it was after that that I really dedicated myself to not letting myself get so swept up in my thoughts to really facing my challenges head on because this was a challenge that I had to face head on that I could not run away from or use any kind of anything. I just had to be there and experience it. So truly, I think about the three bamboo sticks and the tarp weekly, if not you know daily, because that was just an experience that grounded me in me and really showed me what what an awesome, you know, 
person I am and how strong I can really be. That was, that was my experience awesome. of becoming myself. Awesome. Beautiful. I can picture that. That's beautiful. I can picture the bamboo and the clouds. Yeah. All right, Marcy. So I've been pondering this one and, and, and I want it to be real and I keep coming back to this. So I, I guess I'm just going to go with it. So the first time that Courtney was hospitalized, um, I, you know, they had her in a, in a different room and they were doing her evaluation and I was in some other room and it was like three o'clock in the morning and I was delirious and I was confused. And I, I had this flashback to when I was, um, and, and I don't like to call it a mental hospital, Courtney, I like to call it a psychiatric unit. Okay. <laughs> so I had the flashback to when I was hospitalized, when I was exactly the same age as, as you and it was sort of like this deja vu, you know, um, and I really realized in, in, in that moment when you were in that other room that that whatever I was doing to contribute to somehow this legacy continuing, I, I had to figure it out and I had to do something different because I wasn't going to just let it kind of just happen again. And I think that was just a real mm, mm. just aha moment of me as a parent having a deeper level of responsibility other than providing you, you know, singing lessons and good schools. I, I had to dig in and do some personal work and, and I, I went ahead and I did. And, and that was a mm -hmm. transformational time for me. Thank you both, uh, for your, your insights and, um, you know, Marcy, I just want to highlight again, of you doing the work. And so for parents listening, you know, we're always often focusing on our kids. And again, how important it is for parents to focus on their own growth and understanding and insight. And not only does that make your life better, but it also does what you want to do with that focus on your child, which is it helps your child. It helps the family legacy, right? If everyone's growing, it just helps the family legacy um, from a nature uh, excuse me, from a nurture, and many are arguing now, even from a nature perspective with epigenetics and like the changes that we make in our own lives can actually alter genetics and the expression of genetics moving forward. I just want to take a quick moment, Dr. Dan, and thank you so much for the work that you are doing, um, bringing awareness to such important issues and empowering families. I, I love your work. I think you're a, a powerful and inspiring voice, and I really just can't thank you enough for um, having us on and, and, and having these conversations that you do. Oh, Marcy, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Both of you guys, this is um, when your book came across my desk and uh, when I was reading it and it was like, these are, uh, these are kindred spirits right here. Uh, I join you guys, obviously, in your mission to destigmatize and to spread the word about um, health and wellness and mental illness. And it, it, it happens and it happens a lot. And for many, it's part of the human condition. And um, you know, Courtney, you're just inspiration for all of us to continue to push on and to live and to be able to find hope and meaning in your life within moments of despair uh, and struggle. So thank you for your voice and uh, Marcy for putting yourself out there, the professional that you are as a humble parent and human on the journey as well. Thank you. 
Tell everyone where they can find your book, your podcast, your nonprofit, all the stuff. Um, thank you. So um, our, our website is um, is thecrazygirlproject.com. And uh, you can find all of our stuff on um, Linktree. Um, dot kg oh my goodness i'm not going to get this right uh kgsg um and yeah our facebook group is fantastic uh the crazy girl and guy survival group uh we're in all 50 states and 67 countries worldwide and uh you know i love divergent viewpoints from all over the world and getting these conversations going so um we always welcome people connecting with us and we, we really just want to um, spread the good word. So uh, thank you for, for bringing that up. And we, we love to uh, connect with, with your audience so much. Thank you. Awesome. Everywhere on the planet. All right. This is a movement. Thank you guys. Thank you for your time, your energy, and just for who you both are and what you're bringing to our world. That's it, everyone. An awesome, invigorating, inspirational conversation. Share this with anyone and everyone you think will benefit. So many people struggling during these times, and we are going to get through this. Do your best to be the person you want your child to become. And ask yourself the guiding question I ask myself each day. What footprint do you want to leave? This has been a Peters and Rossi production. Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan is produced by Laura Rossi. Our engineer is Phil Rossi. Theme music is Strummerman, composed and performed by ProTunes. Artwork is by Garrett Ross. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Parent Footprint Podcast and on Twitter at Dr. Dan Peters. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. Listen, follow, and leave us a review on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, you can listen to new episodes one week early on Amazon Music or early and ad-free, plus bonus episodes by subscribing to Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Follow Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show.